Welcome to The Recovering Perfectionist, where you'll learn all the hacks you need to get started and finished on your business or project. You'll connect with successful entrepreneurs who are in perfectionist rehab, unapologetically experimenting and balancing life, business, family, and me time. I'm your host and Chief Recovering Perfectionist, Claire Barton. Hi everyone, it's Claire Barton and welcome to The Recovering Perfectionist today. I have got the amazing Verity Mansfield with me today, um, who is a coach and mentor and she's breaking all the good girl rules. How are you going, Verity? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. Um, so just so anyone who's listening or watching um, at home, you can hear that my voice isn't 100% today. Um, so apologies for <laughs> the nasal man tones and um, all of that sort of thing. Um, this is the best I've sounded in about three weeks. So I really just wanted to jump on and get going, get back into the swing of it because um, I really wanted to chat with Verity. And today it's actually a perfect day for me to not do a heap of talking because um, I've been cyber stalking Verity for a while now. I guess you've kind of been in my radar, on my radar for a couple of years. Um, and pretty much every time that I see something that you put on Facebook or anywhere into the online world, I, I have this like total emotional response. And we talked about this last time and like, I, I, I feel so aligned to your, um, to your message and everything. And, um, <laughs> for everyone listening at home, we actually chatted about a month ago or so just to chat about the podcast and what we were going to talk about and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and it kind of got to the end of our conversation. We were talking for about an hour and I was seriously struggling to not cry because like everything that we were talking about just totally hit the nail on the head. And obviously I just felt so aligned to it. So I sort of got off the phone, had a bit of a cry. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, and I also don't really talk very well when I'm crying. So it's actually quite a good day. Today. I'm just going to let you talk. I'm going to mute myself and sit here and sob. Um, for anyone who's watching, you can actually see I'm sitting in my son's teepee in his bedroom. Um, so I'm feeling quite nurtured and safe and soft <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so look, I just, um, I do absolutely love your message, um, which is around, um, you know, healthy and positive body image and especially how that pertains to our daughters and our girls. And, um, my little girl just turned three. And, um, as we chatted about the other week that, uh, I watched Tyron Brumfitt's movie Embrace probably a year and a half ago now and it really hit home to me a lot of things and it's very um, on message with kind of what you talk about and that sort of thing as well so yeah I'm just so excited to actually get the opportunity to chat with you about this because I think it is such a freaking important um, mm. for, um, for our girls but also for us as mothers and for as us. women and you know, yeah. how all of that, how all of that kind of interacts is just so freaking important. And I'm so glad that there's someone like you who's doing this work and spreading the, the love and um, all of that sort of thing. So anyway, without me continuing to carry on about how much I love you, you can tell us a bit <laughs> about you and what you do and how you came across this whole kind of body of work. I don't even know if it's a body of work, this whole thing that you do. Tell us about you. I think it's a self-love journey. <laughs> um, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess how this all started was um, growing up. And I think this is why this resonates so beautifully with your own um, podcast about perfectionism is um, this desire to be this good girl and uh, for wanting everything to be perfect for my mother. My mum had um, a past history of domestic violence 
and um, my older sister was very rebellious. So I was really, really aware of wanting to be this perfect child for my mum and always wanting to make her happy and doing everything possible so she'd never, ever have to be upset again. Mm. And um, I think I was about eight years old when I made this solemn commitment, like at a seriously deep soul level, and I've pretty much paid for it ever since. <laughs> and... Um, I remember, I guess, you know, when we have this thrive to be perfect and to be good, you know, it really becomes based off this fear of being bad or upsetting other people, not being perfect. And um, I remember growing up and as my body was changing, you know, comparing myself to other people because when we compare ourselves, that's how we measure ourselves against the outside world to make sure that we are being good, that we are being perfect, that we're keeping up to everybody else's standards, that we're pleasing everybody else. It's this constant regulation of our behaviour um, being measured against everybody else's <laughs> and it's exhausting. And um, so seeing all these images in the media as well about what being, you know, beautiful was and, it's interesting when we talk about the good girl because a lot of people, you know, go into this description of, you know, she's tall, she's blonde, she's gorgeous, you know, she's intelligent, she's skinny. So even though the good girl is, you know, like honest and people pleases and we have all that side, there's also this visual side of this idea that we have in our head of this good girl. Um, and I remember dyeing my hair blonde. Actually, my mom dyed my hair blonde, which is probably a bit creepier. And... Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, was so obsessed about my body not being perfect. And I remember at one point saying to my mom, I hate my nose. Like, it's, it's not, it's not the, the right shape. And I think I was about 13 or 14 years old and bawling my eyes out. And I went through a period of wearing black because apparently black was made you skinnier. And now as a parent of two daughters, I refuse to allow them to wear black. <laughs> Um, I'm like, color, it's color in the house. Um, so I used to wear a lot of black to try myself, make myself look smaller. I um, hated my nose with an absolute sort of vengeance. And I said to my mom, I just hate my nose. And I was in tears. And she turned around and she said, well, we'll you know, plastic surgery. We'll get it fixed. <laughs> and at that moment, I was 14. And at that moment, something clicked in my head where I was like, you've said the wrong thing. <laughs> like, what mm. I wanted to hear was you're perfect as you are. Yeah. Um, and I just remember that moment where I was like, something's wrong here. Um, and that's something against my values. I didn't know what it was, but I knew something wasn't right. And um, I certainly didn't want to start slicing and dicing myself at 14. And I think even as I continued to grow up, I started to become really, really aware of body issues that were around me. Uh, one of my dearest best friends was bulimic um, and she was an absolutely amazing person. So being really, really aware of these people had this amazing inner beauty. You were courageous and, you know, were strong and had gone through stuff and, you know, were bigger and better for it and who were doing amazing things in their life and who I thought were absolutely inspiring, absolutely hating their bodies um, a friend of mine, even as I got older, used to work for this massive, massive recruitment agency here in the city. And um, we went out for breakfast one morning. We surrounded. I mean, it was literally like partying with the Red Sea. It was hilarious. 
there were these absolutely gorgeous leggy blonde things that just walked in with this amazing hair bouncing behind them and you know they had like these slightly unbuttoned tank tops and they'd gotten out of these um uh, what you call them, convertible BMWs that they just parked on the street. They go on the perfect spot outside and, yeah, these tiny little shorts on. It was like summer in Perth and literally everyone's jaw just dropped as this, like, group of girls just walked yeah. in. <laughs> and I was just went, oh, my God, like, I'm not having breakfast. Not helping. Not helping. <laughs> um, and then I started listening to their stories and, one of them was in an abusive relationship or had come out of it and her ex was stalking her. Another one, you know, had an addiction to cocaine. Um, there were all these crazy things going on in their lives. And it was really interesting for me to see that beauty has this internal side and this external side. And the external side has so many cracks in it. <laughs> and the internal side half the time didn't match up to the external mm. um, and what they were trying to present to their lives. And the more that people try to be perfect and try to be beautiful on an outer level, it seemed to be there was a lot more cracks on the inside that were being um, covered up. You know, like um, what's it called? Spack filler on the wall kind of. <laughs> yep. Um, so really, I guess, was this journey of growing up and really understanding, um, like I had a mother who was in my eyes was quite materialistic and hell-bent on perfectionism and seeing that being projected onto us as children, you know, coming home and getting 98% in the chemistry exam. And I met my mum at the front door and I was like, mum, I've got 98%. And she was literally like, where's the other two? And she walked off. And I was like, what? And this is, I think this is like ah, year 12. This is like so year 12. Angry. Like, ah. And um, it was really... So, yeah, I guess being brought up with these ideas of perfectionism and being a good girl and, you know, trying to always be presentable and having this outward facade of perfectionism, um, you know, it kind of really puts us in a state where we're not allowed to be ourselves, where we can't be authentic, where we can't express ourselves emotionally. You know, you can't be angry, you can't be sad, you can't be disappointed in anyone um, you can't be jealous. You can't have lustful desires. Yeah. Um, if you have to be perfect all the time, you have to literally squash pretty much most of who you are. Your whole personality. You exactly. have to disown yourself. Yeah. Yes. Um, you literally have to become unhuman. Um, so it, it's this crazy, crazy, crazy cycle. And having two little girls myself and my – so, yeah, I ended up obviously – I got married, had two little girls, I got divorced. And that as well for me was about breaking those good girl rules, no longer trying to be the good wife, the good mother. Mm -hmm. um, recently learning to be or not be the good ex-wife. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's quite interesting when you tell your mother-in-law where to go um, or ex-mother-in-law. <laughs> and um, very empowering stuff. Yeah. Um, and so having these two little girls and watching them have to face the external world mm. and wanting to teach them to grow with authenticity and integrity um, with values that are aligned with who they are and not aligned with what the rest of the world expects them to be mm. really spurred on uh, my business in, in coaching and wanting to help other women to embrace who they are, um, to know who they are, to know what they want um, because a good girl never ever addresses what she wants. We always address what everybody else wants. Yep. Um, 
going into that self-love and self-acceptance, which so much of that includes our, our body because we just you know, slice and dice it verbally on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at our fears and what it is that's holding us back, you know, and that, that fear around perfectionism, which is not, not good enough, Mm. Um, and looking at our mindset as well, like it's so important to really understand all of these aspects and to be able to bring them into a really safe place. So we can start unearthing all of these untruths that we've been holding on to as truths and really find out who we are and what we want out of this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the beauty side of that is really important, you know, understanding what inner beauty is. And uh, the girls and I have been running these mother and daughter workshops, which I absolutely love. And we talk a lot about what inner beauty is about. And we talk about things like intelligence and what it means for girls to be intelligent. Um, That beauty, we completely reframe beauty from being this external thing to being something that's within ourselves. Mm. How do we have the ability to create beautiful moments Mm. for ourselves and for other people um, for our children, um, you know, I've organised whispering in case my girls are around. But I've organised um, while watching for my daughter's birthday, and she's mm. got no idea. She thinks she's going to school, and she's not. <laughs> and um, there's how we create these beautiful moments in our lives and memories sure. for other people. Yeah. You know, that is what being beautiful is really about. Uh, I think impact awesome. those around us. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, I've got a four and a half year old son and a three year old daughter, so there's eighteen months and one day between them, and um, pretty early on, especially once my daughter was kind of, I don't know, one, one and a half and she was into dressing herself and wearing the pretty dresses and all of that sort of thing. We noticed what we were doing and we're super conscious about this. Like we have these sorts of conversations <laughs> all the time about, you know, if, um, if our son gets to go and mow the lawn, then our daughter gets to go and mow the lawn. Like there's no men's jobs and women's jobs and girls and boys and all of that sort of thing. They're getting enough of that sort of shit from school and we're trying to kind of break it down. But in some of the other stuff, we noticed that we were doing things like, um, say my daughter would get dressed in, in something and I would say, go show daddy. I'm like, I really, I heard myself saying it. A couple of times, what are you doing? Like you're telling your daughter to go and get approval from a man. From a man. <laughs> like, and I'm like, stop doing this, Claire. What are you doing? Um, and my husband realized as well at one point that we, um, and he in particular was praising her a lot for, you're so beautiful. You look really pretty. That's really lovely. So kind. Da, da, da. Yeah. So now it's like we catch ourselves and with both of them, we'll say, Oh, you look, Oh, you're so beautiful. And you're really intelligent and you're really kind. And you're very important. <laughs> and we're like kind of trying to use these other things because you know, as conscious as we are, we still accidentally do those patterns of mm. communication to them because I guess it's kind of what yeah. we've grown up with. And I think um, and um, we're trying to do it for our son as well. Like we also want him to um, to have the self love and that sort of thing, but to also appreciate women, but to give him the healthy body image. And I mean, mm. he's actually starting school next year. But even at um, at daycare that he goes to, he came home at one point and was like, "Someone so called me fat." And I'm like, "Are you serious? You're four. <laughs> Are we already doing this? You're four. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and he's tall and skinny." Like there's, you know, it's mm. absolutely nothing, but obviously some kids heard it and then passed it on. And he's yeah. like, and, they, and he said something about, um, and this is going back six months. It's not an issue anymore as far as I know, but I'm like, you're four. Mm. Is this like, how do we, how do we just, get here? 
can I just wrap you in cotton wool and keep you at home until you're like 20 and I'll just feed you all the actual information and then you can go and deal with the world but that's not a thing like what do you do it's not a thing and I think this is the yeah what do we do with this and I think this is where the marketing industry has a massive responsibility um and why it's so important for us as women to start reframing our own idea of beauty Mm. what beauty is to us so we can pass it on to our children but I used to work for an international bridal company and it was a massive, uh, it was an amazing company. It was up there and um, we used to hire like the best models we could get. We had makeup artists that had worked with Miranda Kerr. Like we weren't playing small fry and I used to get involved in a lot of the photo shoots. It was a great way of getting out of work. And um, we basically, you know, sat around and if the makeup artists were bored, they'd make us up and we got to dress models. And I've seen more boobs like this close to my face than anything else in my life. (laughs) And um, it's so funny when you're trying to dress a model and you're kind of pulling this dress up her and you're trying not to get her boobs in your face. (laughs) You're like, oh my God, more boobs. (laughs) And uh, we're just constantly getting smacked in the face with boobs all the time. (laughs) And um, these girls were amazing. They had engineering degrees and all sorts behind them. They knew their path. They had exit plans out of the industry. They were very, very fierce, intelligent women, Um, which part of it was like, great. (laughs) (laughs) Boobs, brains and beauty. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) The trifactor. Yeah. I'm just going to go over here and eat some toast. Yeah. (laughs) A carrot stick and (laughs) water. Fry into my red wine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And then after we were dressing these girls and getting to meet them and understanding them and having these beautiful conversations with them and, you know, getting, I mean, we were really up close to them. And then we, a couple of weeks later, we'd all be, you know, proofing all of the the shots and stuff with the marketing team. And there'd be photos all over the floor and, you know, we'd walk in and we'd um, be sitting there as a group and going through each shot, what we liked, what we didn't like about it. And that was soul destroying. Yeah. Because we were literally like, she's not tall enough. She's not pretty enough. She's not slim enough. Her butt's too big. We need to shape out, you know, more of her waist. Oh my God, her fingertips are blue. Like we would have these girls in the middle of winter standing on beaches in like these, um, you know, bridal gowns that pretty much, you know, end at the bust and you've you know you're not warm and um going blue in the middle of winter and we're like oh my god she's blue um you know her hair's not the right color her skin's not the right type she's too exotic looking um she's too ethnic looking she's too um her eyes aren't big enough her nose isn't the right shape uh her cheekbones and we tore them apart most of the girls we worked in, if we had Australian models, the same year we used them, they then went on to win Miss Universe Australia. But they weren't good enough. They weren't pretty enough. They weren't tall enough. They weren't blonde enough. They didn't have the right skin tone. And this tearing apart of women that the media does, the manipulation, you know, in terms of, um, you know, photoshopping and all that stuff, people don't understand that what you were seeing out there in the real world, you know, I mean, even when you watch a Hollywood movie, girls are waking up in bed with, you know, the hairbrush and perfect makeup on. Yeah. 
that is not how we wake up people. <laughs> no, um, I, wake up. I, if, I totally look gorgeous when I wake up. Yeah. Do you? I bet you would. Yeah, if right. I wake up and I've got makeup on, <laughs> it is smeared across my cheek. <laughs> and it's because uh, I had a big night last I, night and I probably, yeah, and I'm terribly hungover. <laughs> um, it is not pretty. Yeah. Um, but this industry isn't pretty and the marketing industry has so much just to, to own in this. Mm. And I think the other interesting thing as well in terms of fashion and beauty products, having worked in the fashion industry at an international level, what you are going to pay for is not the quality of the product. You are paying for the quality of the product, but the biggest amount that you're paying for is FedEx and marketing. So the more expensive <laughs> your product is, We've probably had to ship it further than China yeah. and we've also um, had to put a hell of a lot of money into, you know, the marketing, the packaging. Um, this admin costs are absolutely huge. The yeah. actual price of what it costs to make that product for you, whether it's a design, a top, um, or whether it's perfume, whether it's, um, you know, face creams, uh, handbags, is so small, it is not funny. Yeah. Um, and we all think that we're buying this amazing, worthy Quality. thing. Yeah. You're not. You're buying FedEx yeah, <laughs> and right. marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not a case of not using this stuff because I also think, like, I do love fashion and I love getting up, um, like, these beautiful rituals I have when I go out with my girlfriends of getting dressed up. And if my girls are home, they're like, oh, mom, can we raid your wardrobe? And what are you going to wear? And what colour lipstick are you going to wear? Like, yeah. we love that stuff. But yeah. I see that stuff as a form of self-expression and creativity. Yeah. It is not something that I do to um, compare myself yeah. against someone else and try and look better than what I am. Yeah. It's not about changing who I am. It's not about doing it in a fear of not being good enough. It's not worrying if I'm going to look better or hotter for someone else. It's not about trying to get the guy. It's literally just about self-expression. What do I feel like wearing? What resonates with me? What would be fun? Um, you know, what kind of, you know, which aspect of my personality do I want to bring out? Yeah, yeah. Do I want to bring out the, the nude, and I don't mean naked nude, but kind of, you know, the more yeah, earthy nude yeah. kind of look? Yeah. yeah. Or do I want to do, do I want to express my sexy side and my fun vivacious side? Um, so when we look at beauty in terms of fashion as a form of self-expression, it can be really empowering and really good fun mm. and creative but when we look at it in terms of I've got to be hot I've got to be this I'm not good enough I look fat it's actually gonna be really soul destroying so um, um for people who are listening at home and even like I'm sort of uh, I'm I the, the thoughts that are going through my head is I I don't feel like I'm 100% there in terms of dressing or um presenting in a way that is just aligned to me because there are definitely I mean if it was just about me I'd probably be wearing tights in a sloppy joe t-shirt like what i wear when i podcast because you only have to see me <laughs> like all the time um and that's what's comfortable but exactly like you said like i, I was saying to someone the other day i probably wear red lipstick once or twice a year because it's it does red does not fit like doesn't sit well with me most of the mm. time I, I don't own any red clothes i don't it's just not a color that 
I feel comfortable in. It makes me quite angry. And so often when I wear red lipstick, <laughs> don't I'm, wear red then. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when I wear red lipstick, it's like I'm feeling a bit fiery like, or I'm feeling a bit fierce. Or if someone wants to take me on, I'll, I'm up for a fight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I'm not really like that very much. So it's like once or twice a year that I go, yeah, I'm going to bring out the red lippy. And that, like you said, that expresses the thing that I'm feeling at the moment. That's that creativity. Yeah. Um, but like now that you've sort of said that, I'm like, I wonder how, how do I dress and why do I wear the clothes that I do? And I, mm. like, I probably don't wear the clothes that I would like to for various reasons, but the things that I want to wear are definitely because same sort of thing. Like I have a background in fashion. I used to love fashion. I used to love keeping up with what was going on, not so much in like couture or anything like that, but I worked for like country road and that sort of thing. And I really loved that kind of fashion because it was just a little bit more nice and it felt kind of cute. And I also I like at the time and probably still a little bit now, I know that there's a culture of people who really like country road clothing. And if they see me while I'm in the shopping center, they'll be like, Oh, she's wearing country road. And they'll think, Oh, she's the sort of person who wears country road. And I hate that. I think that. But, but that's just really thing, like, interesting. That's fitting yeah. in and a comparison and a, yeah. I think something that we have to accept about ourselves as humans is we all have this desire to belong. Um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to belong because, you know, it's how we find safety in our tribe and how we find our soul sisters and the sense of where, where we feel safe to be ourselves. Um, but every single need that we have, whether it's a need for variety, a need for self-expression, a need to feel significant, there's healthy and resourceful ways of meeting those needs. Sure. And then there's ways that just aren't. And it's the same with fashion. There's healthy ways to participate in fashion. And there's ways that just really aren't that healthy for us. Yeah. Um, you know, like being bulimic and, you know, or being anorexic or, um, you know, obsessing about trying to fit into a size eight versus embracing, you know, whatever it is that you are and just dressing for yourself mm. um, because that's just how you feel and it's fun. Um, but yeah, this, like we all have this desire to belong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just how we go about in our lives, um, that we feed that desire or that, that, that human basic need of belong, the human basic need of acceptance, the human basic need of self-love. Um, so two questions, how, how do you know, like if, if you were to say, if you were to ask a question of someone why do you dress the way you dress? Like I can't even kind of answer that question right now. I feel like I need a bit more thought around, um, around that sort of thing. But if, if someone was wondering like, Oh, like now that we've kind of opened this can of worms, do, am I dressing away or am I presenting in a way because that's how I want to present or because there's, I feel like there's an external pressure. So that's the first question. And the second question is if you actually want to kind of stop doing that comparative, like I'm dressing to impress someone or I'm dressing because I feel like, my friends will judge me if I don't buy that latest, whatever. Like, how do you kind of mm, stop doing that and start being okay with just doing it for yourself? I think this is a really important thing where everything, so I'm going to answer the two questions <laughs> with one answer. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Because everything comes down to this for me and it's always the first thing I do with every single client that I work with. The absolute first thing. There's no doing anything without doing this. <laughs> and um, it takes a bit two weeks for us to do it. And everyone's exhausted afterwards and they're like, oh my God. And it's like, well, it's exhausting because you've never done this before. Yeah, sure. Um, so the basic first thing is really about understanding your truths. So knowing what your absolute five core values are, we all have a good, you know, probably a thousand values that we all hold is important to us. 
But what makes us so different, like we all value connection, we all value love, we all value family, we all value adventure. But someone that's going to be, one person's going to have one of those at their top sure. one yeah. and it's going to be, a, you know, number 400 or else. Yeah. Yeah. And so knowing what our absolute core top five values are, and I always start off with 400 values and we get down to the client's absolute top five values. Um, the things that they hold that they cannot live their life without. Mm-hmm. And we put them in a priority list as well so that they know that absolute one top core value. And these core values are things that we cannot ever, ever live without or we lose our sense of self, we lose our sense of integrity mm-hmm. um, and our sense of just who we are. And so when we have these values, we have our truths around those and it's so much easier to live our lives and to make any decisions. So even when you're getting dressed and stuff and you've got that beautiful sense of self and what's important to you, you'll either just get dressed without really caring because what you wear just becomes a zero factor in your life or if fashion and self-expression are really important to you. We've gone through and created rules there so you know exactly how to express yourself Um, and how to allow yourself to be in that creative moment. And I think as well, you know, working on um, intuition, and I know that sounds a bit weird, but it isn't because uh, intuition really ties into our truths and it really ties into us having and trusting in the inner compass within ourselves. Mm. Um, That massive self-trust, we go to the wardrobe and we feel, we're like, I feel like wearing that. I feel like this is me today. Or do I feel like I need, you know, I'm feeling a bit shit and maybe bright yellow would actually perk me up. And we can kind of have this more intuitive way of expressing ourselves, which comes from within us, not Mm. looking at, oh, well, she was wearing that last week. Oh, I don't want to wear it. (laughs) She wore that yesterday. I better not wear that. Oh, my gosh, she looks hideous in that. I look hideous in that. Um, So instead of it being this comparison out external thing, it just comes from within us. What you feel like, yeah. And no one else factors into that, but into what we feel like wearing, how we feel about expressing ourselves yeah. and honouring ourselves and honouring our own values and truths. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that goes for any decision. That goes yeah. for decisions in who you marry, who you have relationships with, who, you, who your friendships are, mm-hmm. um, the family that you surround yourself with, the family that you create. The, the jobs that we take, um, mm-hmm. how we view and honour our bodies. Um, and I think the more connected we get to our bodies as well, the more empowering this, comp, this becomes. Mm-hmm. You know, when we learn to honour our bodies and to, to love them and to embrace them. And I was very, very lucky. Um, this probably sounds very weird. When I was about 18, um, I was dating a guy who was 26 and he had a motorbike accident. And ended up paralysed from the neck down. So if people remember Christopher Reeves, he was actually one step worse than Christopher Reeves. And we went through these horrific, absolutely traumatic um, years of him dying, coming back to life, um, having to face, I guess, his own mortality. Um, This idea of being trapped is just the human head that was dependent on life support for the rest of his life. Um, he didn't have a body. He was literally a talking, breathing head um, hooked up to a machine. And um, I guess really watching that and watching him go through that, watching him fight the government system where they then paid for him to live in these luxury apartments on the beach because it was cheaper than living in a rundown rehab hospital. Right. 
with his own private staff. It was brilliant. He's amazing. <laughs> and, um, you know, he went out there and he met Christopher Reeves. He met uh, the Dalai Lama. He met uh, Richard Branson. He learned to sail a boat by himself with no one else on board through a breathing what? apparatus. He was trying to figure out how to build a wheelchair which he could take skiing. Uh, he was writing a book that he's asking me to help, you know, get his all of his memoirs together. I like he, this guy. Yeah, he was he's effing nuts, honestly. Um, and all he was was a talking head. He didn't have arms. He didn't have legs. He couldn't go to the bathroom. He couldn't dress himself. He could do absolutely nothing for himself. He couldn't feed himself. Half the time he couldn't breathe by himself. Actually, he couldn't breathe by himself. He was hooked up constantly to a breathing machine that breathed for him. Um, and he accomplished so much more right. than yeah. any human being I personally know. That has all the other things that do actually work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing when we talk about beauty, it's something internal yeah. within us. It's not something that we is outside of us. It's not how we look. It's not how we have to sell ourselves to the outside world. Yeah. It's not something that our parents or our fathers or men have to validate us on and mm -hmm. say, well, you're pretty, so, you know, you can come be my handbag. Um, you know, and I've been there as well. I've been that girl who validated herself externally yeah. and um, guys that just wanted you there because you were pretty on their arm and they didn't really care about you. They didn't care about your needs. They didn't care about your business. Um, and that stuff is so crushing when you're like, Ooh, I don't think you like me for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want me to be me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's amazing. I think um, I've been blessed with so many different experiences to get to this mm. point and not all nice experiences um but some really tough 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 soul crushing experiences um but to draw that inspiration and then be able to pass it to my girls yeah. and to want to be that role model to my girls and help them to break those good girl rules yeah to help them to not be perfect but to teach them to be brave, yeah. to have this, you know, generation of girls that aren't scared to put their hand up and say, hey, I think I know the answer, yeah. instead of going, oh, my God, what if someone thinks I'm an idiot? What if someone yeah. laughs at me? Yeah. Um, we want brave and courageous girls. We yeah. don't want perfect good girls. And I think, I think, like you said, that whole kind of reality check perspective, like just stop worrying about how wide your waist is, for Christ's sake. Like, you know... And I'm all for like loving your body for the right reasons. You know, if you want to get healthy, get healthy. If you want mm. to lose weight, lose weight. Like, but don't hurt yourself however you are right now. So I think having that love your body as you do it. Exactly. And I think that's really important is that in terms of the eating healthy, losing weight thing, because everyone goes, well, then isn't that superficial? Like there is that really kind of like, but if I want to look slim, does that mean I'm a stuck up bitch? <laughs> no, it <Yeah>. doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's like doing but, it for yourself rather than doing it to be validated by someone else. So it's to feel think, good in your yeah. own skin or to feel... And I think the key point or... is you have to love yourself unconditionally. Yeah. You don't need the mindset. If you want to lose weight, do it. But don't have the mindset of when I lose five kilos, I will finally like myself. Mm. When I lose weight, I will finally want to be the person I want to be. <laughs> when I get slimmer, I'll then go find a boyfriend. When I lose weight, I'll then finally appreciate and accept myself. No, that is conditional love. And if you're a mother, 
what the hell are you passing on to your children that you can only love yourself once you're perfect? Mm -hmm. Love yourself now, fiercely, regardless of whether you've got five kilos to lose or 20 kilos to lose or what. Um, And I think that's the important thing. We don't understand. We have to love ourselves unconditionally, which means Mm. loving and accepting yourself right here, right now, regardless, regardless of whether you're about to get kicked out of your apartment and (laughs) homeless on the street, whether you're in the middle of a marriage breakdown, whether you've, you know, suffering with obesity, um, eating disorders, um, you know, whatever it is that's going on for you, addiction issues, whatever, you love yourself now 100%. Yeah. And you do it to honour yourself, not to destroy yourself. And not to say, yeah, I love myself, but actually doing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I what, think, um, you know, it is one of the hardest things and it's, um, I'm so glad that I have come across you and, and saw, um, Taryn Brumford's movie a year ago because I, I've definitely got body issues and all of that sort of thing. Although I feel like I'm kind of accepting and, you know, just being okay with a lot more things now than I used to be. Um, but things like, like the kids, if I'm getting in and out of the shower and they'll say, ha ha, your tummy's wobbly and they'll like wobble my, my tummy or I'll be lying right, and like, my boob will fall out the side of my t-shirt or something like, ah. and I have to be, instead of being like, oh, or jump on the scales and have a sad face or something like I just, I'm so much more conscious of it, which is actually quite therapeutic. I think for me, because I'm not, I'm, I'm consciously trying to not outwardly hate myself we yeah. internally not hate myself because I'm telling the kids how like beautiful it is and how clever my body is and all that sort of thing, which makes me go, huh? Yeah. I have got a clever, beautiful body, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a cool. Um, and I think, you know, when you were telling me about your workshops, um, which I'd love to, you know, maybe talk about kind of how they work and that sort of thing. I was like, Oh, that's clever. I see what you're doing there. That's, I see what cool. you're doing. <laughs> Um, and, and I think, you know, it kind of comes back to that whole, unfortunately, as the good girl and the perfectionist and the people pleaser and the yes girl and the control freak and all that sort of thing, we do spend so much freaking time and energy and money trying to make everyone else happy and make sure that everyone else is okay. Mm. Um, And the fact that you know that actually helps you in the therapy that you do and in the coaching workshops that you do, because it's kind of, um, yeah, I just, I just really love the whole idea of it. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? So we'll wrap yeah. up. I could literally talk to you for hours and I would love to get you on the show again because there's some specific, I just talk, I yeah. <laughs> talk about as well. Um, but yeah, um, it's about, you know, what sort of work and how, how can people get to, um, have some more time with you and learn more about you and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so if you're in Perth, um, my daughters and I run mother and daughter workshops and it's all about self-love and self-worth. So we get the mothers and the daughters in and we do spend an hour talking about self-love, beauty, uh, reframing the idea of beauty, uh, self-worth, and we get to look at our strengths and our weaknesses. We do this really beautiful exercise as well where we get the mothers to kneel on the floor and look at their daughters in the eye and they have to maintain eye contact and they have to tell their daughters, you know, three things that are, make them beautiful on the inside. And then we flip it around and we get the daughters to kneel in front of their mothers and to honour their mothers in three ways um, and express gratitude, what they love about their mothers. And they're not allowed to break eye contact and the mothers start choking up, they get a bit teary um, and the mothers cannot hold the eye contact 
And that is such a massive, powerful, sneaky little thing that we put in there. And um, because it just brings up so much stuff about self-love and acceptance and how we actually need to be the role models <laughs> for our daughters. Yeah. Um, and when our daughters can ex- take the, the gratitude and the mothers can't, it really says something about our sense of worth and our sense of self. Um, and it's really powerful. And then, of course, we all bring it back to self-love and about creating self-love rituals. And we go and um, into another room, we make all these gorgeous products um, and it's all natural ingredients and stuff that you can find even in your fridges. Um, I'm not an aromatherapist, but everything's certified by aromatherapists. Yeah. So we can add in a few essential oils and stuff. And um, we make all these beautiful scrubs and um, facial serums and uh, lip balms for the kids you know, with pretty rose petals and stuff in them and um, bath bombs, all that sort of stuff. But we frame these things as self-care products. So never refer to them as cosmetics or beauty products. They're self-care products. And they're all things that nourish our skin as well. And, um, you know, magnesium is so good for the body and you absorb it better through your skin than orally. So it's all as well nourishing to the body. And it's this idea again about reframing beauty into something (laughs) That is about caring for ourselves and expressing ourselves rather than trying to look pretty, trying to look hot, trying to look younger, whatever else is there. Um, And about, you know, just that whole idea of nourishment and self-love. And the mums love coming because they think they're doing it for their daughters. Right, exactly. (laughs) But it's always the mums the next day that are ringing me and sending me messages (laughs) and going, oh, my God, you know, I didn't know this about myself. Oh, my God, I've realised it's not my daughter that's got body issues. It's me. And I'm like, great, glad you got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole idea. And that's also this thing about the good girl rule. It's good to do something for yourself, like your daughter, but they wouldn't invest that money in themselves. (laughs) I know. That's it, isn't it? What the hell? It's a tricky little workshop. And so, yeah, so if you're in Perth, we do these um, mother and daughter workshops. And, you know, if you're not in Perth, then most of my coaching and stuff happens online Mm -hmm. um, via Skype and stuff where we work together, pardon me, and we go through like the whole um, values um, thing that takes a good two weeks. Um, We go through the goals. So we look at, you know, who am I? What it is that I want? We look at self-love, self-acceptance, being able to embrace ourselves and trusting our inner compass. We look at, our, you know, clearing our fears, the things that hold us back and stuck in the past um, out of fear. Um, you know, we look at how to empower ourselves. We look at clearing um, emotions like sadness and anger and grief um, and guilt, you know, all the shame and stuff that we have around our bodies especially. Um, and not that these are negative emotions, but sometimes they're such big emotions that we're so scared to embrace because we think that they're bad they don't fit into the good girl um but being able to break that power down that these emotions have over us that we're in control of our emotions not the other way around Mm. um and looking at our mindset as well like how do we move forward then you know when the training wheels come off and you go out into the real world after eight weeks of (laughs) you know hanging out with me um you know how are we talking to ourselves you know what kind of mindfulness are we using um, how we continue to honouring and loving ourselves, um, you know, after that journey. Mm. Um, it's really empowering stuff. And the things oh. people have done that changed their lives yeah. blow my mind. Yeah. Like you can literally turn things around in eight weeks. It's insane. Yeah. Like the stuff women have done, just I sit there and I think, 
you know, they come back after six months and a year and like, oh my God, we never guess what's what happened. And yeah. yeah. I'm like, I need to coach myself. <laughs> I know, it's totally a thing. And I, and I, I, um, I've definitely had things in the past where I've gone like, uh, I think I'm not being very successful in my business because I need to lose weight. I'm like, and then I, I, I'll hear myself saying it in my head. I'm like, what? What? Mm. And I know, like the practical, logical, realistic me knows that that's not a thing. It's my yeah. thing. It's like the talk and, you know, that sort of thing. But it's just um, ego coming in and trying it, to right. keep you stuck and back I, in the past. Exactly. And I totally get like it's an inner critic thing and it's the same as the recovering perfectionist and that there's all these little things that are probably just trying to keep me safe. But actually, they just need to shut up and I just need to call it security. Look, I just, I, like I said before, I just totally dig what you're doing. I love the whole messaging. I love um, that you're nurturing mums and daughters and, and, and I just think it's so freaking important. So thank you so, so, so much for chatting to us today. I thought I was going to make it through without getting teary, but it didn't happen. Oh, <laughs> this is definitely the first podcast I think that I've actually cried on. So congratulations. We've popped that cherry. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I, I just really love it. Thank you so much for the super important stuff that you're doing. It's just amazing. And I can't wait to see more and I can't wait to share this with people because I know that it's, it's a thing. It's a massive thing. It's absolutely massive. And I think having someone like you who can help us through some of that shit and, and you know, mm. something as basic as um, your values. And I, and I know like I've done so many values workshops with businesses and teams and all of that sort of thing. But um, you know, I, when I think about my own values, I, like you said, I've probably got 400 of them or 200 of them that are, are very important. Um, and sometimes I have this thing of like, oh, these are my values, but then I can't see how I'm actually living them in my life or living them mm. and, and because the decision that that might precipitate is really fucking scary, right? So, yeah. so these are my values, but this is how I'm living. Oh, shit, so I need to change all these things. Not too hard. I'm just going to change my values. I'm just going to yeah. tell myself that my values are those things. Um, so I think, you know, getting, grasping an understanding of, what they are and if there's a gap there and having someone to and how to live by them. Do you know what I mean? The rules, exactly. those values yeah. and, and the balance for your own rules. Yeah. Ah, so much stuff. So <laughs> much stuff. I'm, um, I'm just going to continue stalking you and lapping up every single thing you say <laughs> and I'm, I'll just come over to Perth and do it. Stalk away, baby. <laughs> oh, Love so stalker. I know. Well, I'm, I'm very good at it. So you're lucky. I'll be your number one stalker. Um, thank you again so much. Awesome. I will keep in touch with you. We'll put all of your details in show notes so people can stalk you as well. We're just going to add to the stalking list for Verity Mansfield. Um, breaking the good girl rules. Yeah. <laughs> all right, lovely. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Bye. And that is absolutely it, my lovely. So I hope you've really enjoyed the episode. It was great fun recording that one, as it is with all of them. If you'd like to connect, I'd love to stay in touch with you. I have a beautiful Facebook group um, community at bit.ly forward slash The Recovering Perfectionist Crew with all um, capital T, R, P and C. I'm also, I have a massive goal this year to get 50,000 downloads on my podcast and I've got a YouTube show as well. So I'd love for you to help me out if you can by either subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. So if you want to go over and do that now, that would be awesome. 
If you have a couple of favorite episodes or if there's one favorite episode that you've really enjoyed, I would love you to share that with anyone who you think would get as much out of it as you have as well. And while you're in iTunes, if you can jump in and give it a review, that would be amazing. iTunes definitely helps out podcasts that have got some some good ratings and reviews and some really interactive listeners. So I would really appreciate your help with getting to my goal of 50,000 in 2017. The show is also available over on YouTube. The links are always in the show notes, so you can um, head over there. So it's The Recovering Perfectionist on YouTube. There's a channel for that as well. So jump in and leave your comments. You can watch all of the episodes in video. So if you want to see what we look like and our crazy hand gestures and uh, facial expressions and all of that sort of thing, absolutely jump in. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel show as well and then you'll be kept up to date when there's some uh, new episodes that come in there. So yeah, love your support. And if you want to shoot me an email, it's hello at clairebarton.com.au. Always happy to receive your emails and, yeah, open up a conversation. All right, big love. I'll chat with you soon. Bye.